Hello, everyone. I am Chris Hyam, CEO of Indeed, and welcome to the next installment of Here to Help. This is our look at how Indeed has been navigating the global impact of COVID-19. Today is October 21st. We are on day 232 of global work from home. For those of you that have tuned in before, you know that indeed our mission is to help people get jobs. And this is what gets us out of bed in the morning and what keeps us up at night. And this mission takes us all over the world. We have offices in 15 countries, but we have customers in more than 60 countries. And today I am delighted to be joined by Connor McCarthy, our head of sales for Next Generation Market Markets based out of Dublin, Ireland. Connor is responsible for helping people get jobs all over the world. Connor, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, thank you for having me, Chris. It's an absolute pleasure. So let's start where we always start off with uh, just a check-in. How, how are you doing today? Uh, how am I doing today? Uh, thank you for asking. Um, I, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, I know it's, it's, it's a challenging time for everyone. Uh, I've often talked about the big three uh, pillars in our lives, um, well, certainly in my life, um, uh, health, uh, relationships with family, friends, uh, and our, our work, right? And uh, of course, each of these three pillars, they're, they're interrelated. One impacts the other. Uh, when you lose one, uh, it can have a, uh, an effect on the other two as well. So I have found um, during COVID in particular that it's, it's perhaps even more challenging than ever to, to, to walk that tightrope and to, to, to balance and, and manage those three big pillars. You, ha you have to work a bit harder at each of those three things. Uh, that said, um, I know that that's a shared experience for everyone. Uh, there are so many challenges around, um, but there's so much also to be thankful for. And I am very grateful for everything I do have in my life right now. And so I'm, I'm feeling good. Thank you for asking. Thanks. Thanks so much for sharing that. You've been with Indeed coming up on six years now. And when you joined, especially in, in Dublin, Indeed was a, a very different company um, than it looks like today. What what attracted you to Indeed? What what made you want to join us? Um, good question. Uh, so there were many things that that attracted me to Indeed, but I think it might help if I just give a bit of uh, context. Uh, uh, I won't reveal how old I am, but I'll, I'll go way back to school and to college time. So uh, when I was in school, I, I uh, always had this uh, feeling that perhaps I, I had an aptitude for, for numbers, not, not too much of an aptitude. Now, I wasn't a, a math genius or anything like that, but at the same time, I did have an aptitude. Um, but at the same time, I also had uh, a, a, a fondness for, for words and, and language. Um, and uh, I guess at, at a certain stage when in your schooling, you have to make some decisions about career. And, and I, I, chose, I chose to do a commerce degree uh, which I felt was was a good balance of both. Um, I always figured that I'd probably gravitate more towards uh, words than than numbers. Um, I think I, I remember having an inspirational English teacher um, who just gave me uh, such uh, an appreciation for the the, the drama and the theatre of 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 literature and and language, and it was just such a pleasure to be in his classroom. And you know, I I remember even. Uh, studying plays like Death of a Salesman and other works, uh, which is ironic considering I ended, ended up uh, working in a career in sales. But um, I just got this real uh, love for, for, for English, for, for language. And, and I always felt that that would probably be where, somehow where I'd end up. Um, I guess commerce gave me uh, 
an opportunity to develop both um, sides. Um, uh, but it came to decision time then at the end of college and, and I, I decided to go the marketing route. I felt that, you know what, that was the one that would probably appeal to me a bit more. Um, I have uh, parents who uh, I love them to bits and, and they've given me such a, a great upbringing and, and always emphasized education. They're both educators. My father is a scientist and um, a chemistry lecturer. My mother is a secondary, second level teacher. Um, they would have always supported any choices I, I would have made. But I do remember my dad at one point saying, so Connor, you know, with this commerce degree, it probably might make sense to consider perhaps a career in accountancy, right? Um, I think he might have liked to have seen that uh, that security aspect to whatever career choice I made. Um, unfortunately for him, I, I, I didn't go down that route. Um, I, I knew that uh, numbers would never be the story of my career. I, I, I think it's a wonderful um, qualification and, and a great start in business, but I knew it wasn't going to be for me. And I guess that's why I chose marketing. And and one of the things that marketing does for you, I think, is it gives you an appetite for adventure and and taking risks, and and uh, and and that's probably been the story of my career so far. Um, uh, in my marketing postgrad, then I had a very interesting encounter with a uh, a visiting U.S. professor, and uh, he was giving us a talk about the future. and And I remember putting up my hand and, and asking a question, saying, "So." What advice would you give to a marketing grad who is looking for the right start in their career? What kind of what kind of company should we even target? What kind of role should we target? And he said something really interesting. He said something that that made sense to me then, and and still makes sense to me now, and to a large extent has actually guided my career over the last um, seventeen uh, years or so. And that was prior to joining Indeed. Um, so he said, "There's three types of companies." You have, on the one hand, you have the elephants. These are the big uh, multinational brands, hugely uh, successful businesses, uh, but also very complex businesses, probably already established in most uh, geographies all around the world, um, probably have great products and or services and a great team of people working for them, uh, but probably a large population of people working for them too. They're safe bets, right? But you can get lost, particularly as a young grad. The other side is uh, the mice. And the mice are small uh, startup businesses. Um, and I've worked with a few of those. Um, startup businesses that may have a great product, for instance, may have a great team, uh, may have a great idea, uh, may, have, may, ha- may have access to funding and lots of different things. But it's risky, ultimately, right? And as we know, the, the stats tell us that four out of five businesses fail. So it's, it's, it's a risky one for, for, uh, for a grad to consider joining. So, so I guess I then went for the middle one. Uh, so he talked about the gazelle. And the gazelle, straight away, I was interested. Uh, what, what does he mean by a gazelle? So he referred to a gazelle as a probably a mid-size company. Uh, a company with a good idea, um, a well-shaped and proven uh, product and or service, um, a market that is looking for that product or service right at that time, uh, and a really good team of people with a solid vision and a plan to go places quickly. And gazelles are characterized by all of the things you would expect 
agility, speed, um, flexibility, and and straight away I was sold. I thought, yes, that's precisely the kind of organization I would like to uh, join. So then fast forward 17 years, uh, 17 years of working with a couple of elephants and, and a couple of mice. Um, all great experiences, by the way, fantastic experiences. Um, um, but, but none that I would consider a true gazelle. And then 2015 came and indeed came along. And it was obvious to me right from the start that um, indeed is that gazelle. Um, it's, it's, it's got all of those things uh, that I was looking for. Um, and it also had a vision uh, that resonated really uh, well with me, uh, a vision and a mission to help people get jobs. I know what it's like to not have a job. I know what it's like to feel um, uh, well that you 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 don't have a job, uh, so you don't know when your next paycheck is going to come in. You you have those feelings of fear, um, isolation, uh, anxiety, um, just wondering when that uh, next job is going to come along. I have been in that position, so I do know what it's like to not have a job, and uh, consequently, I know what it means to have a job. And for us to be able to play a role in helping so many people around the world to get a job is something that just resonated immediately with me. So I feel uh, quite privileged um, to be a part of that. So um, I, that, that's what drew me to the company. Um, in terms of what drew me to, to, the, to the role or the opportunity, the opportunity at the time was to help indeed to... Uh, uh, penetrate and and be active in more markets than they were active in at the time. Um, and straight away, when I looked back over the career that I had had, which was always involved in business development and sales and trying to activate new markets um, uh, in Latin America, EMEA, or Europe, Middle East and Africa and, and Asia, I just knew, yes, that's that's precisely where I know I can help. And that is something that I would love to continue doing. So uh, straight away, I was just drawn to the to, to the impact that this role could potentially have on an organization like uh, Indeed. So hopefully that captures it for you, Chris. That's a, that's a great story. So it, it brings us up to um, uh, close to the present. Let, let's talk for a little bit about your title is the head of next generation markets. What what do we mean by the, the term next generation? And, and talk a little bit about what your team is responsible for. Yes, uh, very good question. Uh, when I joined, uh, we, we, we classified uh, these markets as emerging markets. And there were a relatively small uh, number of markets at the time. Um, and that was an appropriate um, classification for those markets because it was still very early days for, for Indeed in those markets. We had a lot of work to do to prove the concept uh, would work for job seekers and for employers in those markets. But after a certain amount of time, it was a year or two ago, um, uh, I sat down with, with the rest of the management team and, and with the marketing uh, team and, and strategy teams. And we, we, we thought to ourselves, you know what? It, 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 it no longer feels appropriate for us to refer to this collection of markets as emerging markets, right? Uh, we have a number of different markets at very different stages of development. Um, we have one market, for instance, Italy, where we have a team of 40 people now between uh, Dublin and, and Milan, where we have an office um, as of last October. And, and it's also the ninth largest economy in the world. So to refer to Italy as 
as an emerging market was clearly um, inappropriate at this stage. So we felt that maybe a rebranding made sense. So that's why we came up with Next Generation. We felt that it was a very positive statement. It signaled a positive intent to, um, to, to really um, invest in these markets in, in the coming years. And I know that you and others believe uh, that there is tremendous uh, potential for us to, to really uh, increase the volume of job seekers who, who come to uh, Indeed and also uh, to radically increase the number of employers who, who advertise their jobs on, on Indeed. So I think um, there's, that's, that's pretty much where the opportunity is, right? As you said, so you're responsible for helping Indeed grow in, in a number of different countries that are in different stages of development for us, which might be different than where they are in, in the global economy. Uh, that means that you lead a team that is incredibly diverse with uh, a different set of, of experiences. So what are, what are some of the challenges of, of leading a team with so many different uh, needs and, and goals? Yes, uh, so the, the, there are obviously many, many uh, challenges uh, working with uh, such a variety of markets. Um, you're, you're talking about uh, markets that are fundamentally different from each other in so many different ways, um, language, culture, traditions, history, political landscape, etc. Um, but I think one of the things that, that sustains um, me and, and sustains the rest of the team is, is the belief that actually the, uh, the need that exists in these markets unifies all of them, that there is a consistent need across these markets. And that need is to match job seekers with the right uh, job. Uh, so to match job seekers with employers is, is the thing that is a common need across all of these markets. And it's, it's, it's an area where you indeed is uniquely uh, positioned to help uh, those those markets, but obviously there are tremendous uh, challenges as well. Um, you know, uh, I, I do think um, in order for us to be successful um, in these markets, uh, we do have to understand that it's it's not a one size fits all approach, um, uh, and it's and it's certainly not just a a, a task or a a, a a challenge just for the sales team. In order for us to be uh, successful. In uh, uh, in each of these markets, we we've got to we've got to figure out a really true uh, cross functional collaboration between sales, between uh, marketing, between uh, client success, uh, between the strategy teams, and all of the other functions that we work with in order to be successful in these markets. So I think it's it's being able to uh, it's being able to. Uh, unify and energize those teams around that common goal for each of those markets is 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 always a challenge but at the same time it's it's a great opportunity as well and it's something that I thrive on every day so let's talk a little bit about this year so um going back to January of of 2020 before everything that's unfolded over the last 8 months uh started to kick in what were your goals? What were some of the plans that you had for your team? And, and how, how were you all looking at the year ahead? January seems so long ago, yet at the same time, it feels like just yesterday. Uh, we, we felt really optimistic, really optimistic at the start of the year. So much had been achieved um, uh, and, and uh, over the last couple of years, uh, there had been that steady, steady evolution. I've mentioned Italy already uh, in terms of the progress there. And thank you and well done to, to Dario and Roberto and the rest of the team who've just done an amazing job uh, building that market. Um, 
we, we, we felt that we were in acceleration mode. Uh, we had the right team in place. Uh, we had the right idea in place. Um, we felt that all of those uh, months and years of trying to craft and shape together uh, deals uh, for, for our uh, clients that made sense for them, um, it was challenging. But at the same time, we felt that, that those months and years of learning had, had just brought us to this really positive and, and confident state where we knew we could actually make a difference. Um, one of the things that that alerted me to the progress we had made was was realizing that a lot was starting to happening uh, to happen in each of these markets that that I may not have even been aware of or might might have found difficult to actually keep up with, which is not a challenge I I, I certainly had at the start of my journey at Indeed, but certainly now it, it was quite clear that even just keeping up with the pace of of change and and innovation across these markets was pretty challenging. So it was all good, Chris. It was it was at the start of this year. It was it was there. The stage was set. Um, I, I think one of the challenges that we have had was was navigating that that tension that exists every day between uh, trying to strike the balance between trying to meet the needs of our individual markets whilst at the same time. Uh, crafting a, a, a model that actually made sense for Indeed. But I felt that we had struck that balance well and we were ready to accelerate. Um, and, you know, markets like Singapore, Hong Kong, Philippines, uh, Spain, Portugal, uh, the Nordics, Poland, we're there, we're ready. It's let's go. That was, that was very much the feeling at the start of this year. Let's accelerate. And then things changed, right? Right. So, so things changed and... And you and your team really were on the vanguard for Indeed. Um, a number of the markets that that you're responsible for, Singapore, Hong Kong, uh, Italy, those were among the earliest ones to to feel the impact of COVID. So what were what were some of the early signs um, for you and your team that this was going to be um, as big an issue as it became? Yes. Um, so. I, I remember distinctly uh, watching the, the the footage on TV about the events in in Wuhan at the time, and and uh, feeling uh, unnerved. Obviously, um, uh, what was happening was clearly devastating. Um, yet at the same time, it it to be honest, it it felt quite remote. It it did feel quite remote, and it it felt like a big leap f- for it to uh, for it to come to to. All of the markets where where we live and and operate at the time, um, but that changed very quickly. It changed very quickly, and uh, you were right. Yes, uh, some of our markets were the first hit. Uh, our Singapore team, in particular, uh, was the first. Um, we had a team member who had a family member who had been potentially exposed um, to the virus, and that that triggered a sequence of events. Um, at Indeed, that were uh, very eye-opening for me. Um, you and the rest of the leadership team made a decision to shut out, shut down our offices um, globally, and 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 the reason you gave at the time was so clear uh, because we put our employees' safety first and 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 that of their families, and and the decision was so swift, and it was so absolute. And and it, it really gave me and so many others in the business just this incredible signal that this this company really um, lives this this 
this belief that that employees are at the core of everything that we do and um and that that was really interesting and 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 I think that the response that that we saw as a result from everyone who worked at indeed was 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 it was amazing and the Singapore team was first uh We've uh, the team led there by Katie Birch, who, who does a wonderful job leading the team there, and and you know they pivoted and and they adjusted and and they did a lot of work with with the Singapore government, for instance, um, uh, where uh, one of our strategy team developed a relationship. June Lee de- developed a relationship with the Singapore government, and and we uh, we provided resources to them um, uh, in order to help with uh, with with the pandemic. Uh, we uh, we put a hashtag on, on on the site for Singapore United Jobs, uh, which were jobs that the Singapore government wanted to advertise to help people respond to the to the to the crisis, um, and that was really interesting. Then we had uh, we had Italy, which was the first of the European markets uh, to get hit and to get hit big, and I think that was the first time the reality kind of dawned on 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 the rest of us in Dublin and in London and in Dusseldorf and in France that hey, this is this is coming. Um, this is real now. And uh, again, I was really um, impressed with the with the response uh, from the um, from the Italian team. It wasn't a reaction; it was a response. It was a very uh, positive and determined response. Um, and 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 it really it really Im- Im- I think it impressed a lot of people at Indeed uh, because they came up with that simple. Um, motto, which is to to stay close to the customer, um, and I think it was Derek Divini at the time talked about uh, Google's response during the last uh, financial crisis, which was to speed up and the slowdown. That's in essence what we did as a business, and uh, you know the Italian team got busy. Uh, they originated many of the ideas um, that we subsequently rolled out in many of the um, locations around the world for Indeed around. Um, extending our featured employer um, uh, promotion, um, just tracking the clients that were impacted directly by this, so we, so that we could quantify what the risk and what the impact ultimately would be for the business. Um, uh, they also did a, a, a collaboration with the uh, with the Italian government, where uh, we became one of their digital partners to provide resources again for free uh, to help um, employers um, respond to the crisis, and. Uh, yeah, so it was it was it was it was first of all responding to it and and doing so in a very positive and determined way, but then it was also seeing the opportunity that this could bring and the realization that actually, indeed, um, our mission and our vision uh, becomes more important now than than ever, and and that could be an opportunity for us to potentially accelerate in some of our markets. So I think that's the general. Um, response that we saw from the next generation market teams. So you mentioned a, a couple of times and and it's obviously the sort of foundation for everything we do that our mission of, of helping people get jobs and um, throughout the, the crisis, as, as we've talked about it, this mission, which has guided the company for the last 16 years, has felt more vital over the last seven months than, than it ever has before. Um, how, how did this help you and your team decide where to focus and what to do and how to respond? We figured out pretty quickly that there's lots of things um, that we can do. I think you you, you start with, with people, right? Um, and I think it's that understanding that 
when you're faced with a crisis, um, uh, well, the last thing you want to do is panic, that's for sure. Uh, I think you can start with empathy and, and that became very clear and understanding that our, our own people uh, and teams are our clients, um, our partners, uh, these are all people who are suffering uh, as a direct result of the pandemic. So um, as a result, we need to be sensitive, we need to be empathetic, and we need to be considerate in our interactions with um, with all of these um, stakeholders. So I think we started with the teams. And uh, as I mentioned already, I think just that empathy that our senior leadership team toward, showed and demonstrated very clearly towards the rest of the business what was instantly um, um, uh, clear to everyone in the business. And, and, and then we moved on to, to our clients and, and our partners. And, and we made a point that we were, going to, uh, we were going to continue to talk to our clients and, and our customers. And we were going to do whatever we could in order to help them through this um, process. And, and we do have lots of uh, resources and, and tools that we developed uh, as an organization that could help um, uh, employers respond in a similar way to, to what Indeed did um, to respond to the crisis. So we managed to do that in many different ways. Um, I, I think what we saw grew immediately was this very tight collaboration between our sales, our, our marketing teams, and our client success teams, where we, um, we did lots of initiatives um, online and, and virtually uh, where we um, educated and and provided support to these businesses um, to help them through the crisis. So uh, some ideas there is, you know, we did a fir- our very first virtual idea center in EMEA in the Spanish market. And, and that really resonated well with the client um, at the time. Um, it was a very... And, and for those folks who might be tuning in who are not... Uh... Indeed, employees. What what is the idea center? So, what, what what is a virtual idea center? Yes, very good. So, it's it's uh, uh, an idea center is is basically uh, an experience that we provide to our clients, whereby we uh, go much deeper with the client over the course of perhaps a half day or a day to really uh, understand uh, what are their needs and priorities in the whole area of hiring people. And, and going deeper on how their businesses are evolving and their plans for the future. And similarly, we articulate as best we can where we are going as a business and all of the various different product innovations and other areas of innovation that we're focusing on in the hope that we can find ways of working uh, together a bit more closely than we have been to date. So we used to do th- those uh, experiences in a uh, in person on an in person basis at one of our many sites around the world, and I think clients always responded really well to that. Then COVID hit, and all of a sudden that experience had to change radically overnight. And I was so impressed at the speed um, at which our marketing team managed to essentially reimagine the entire experience and put together this. Um, uh, virtual experience that was as impactful, if not even more impactful for many of our clients than, than we had ever done before. And that's one of the examples of, 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 of an innovation that's going to sustain and endure long after the, uh, the pandemic uh, leaves us. And there were, other, there were other examples as well in, in, in Sweden, for instance. I remember our Swedish team 
Uh, they organize what are known as Fika, coffee mornings, which taps into a local Swedish, uh, Swedish tradition for coffee, essentially coffee meetings or mornings. And again, these would have been deep conversations with clients um, in an informal setting, but just to talk about some of the work that we're doing in this area and, and to find out areas in which we could potentially uh, be of help and support to both partners as well as clients as well. So uh, they are some examples of, of things that we certainly did. I know there are many other examples that I haven't mentioned, and there are many other examples of innovation as well across other territories, of course, that I haven't mentioned either, but hopefully that gives you a, a sense of some of the things that we did do. Clearly, um, everything that's, that's happened over the last uh, eight months um, has been an opportunity to, to really look at, at ourselves and our team and our, our business and our customers in, in a new light. What, what are some of the things that you have learned about your team, about, about Indeed, and, and about your own leadership through this process? Uh, well, first of all, quite simply, um, I work with a wonderful team of people. And I have also learned that I work with a, a wonderful company that is going places and that has a mission and a vision that I absolutely believe in. Um, so that's the first thing I've learned. Um, I think the second thing I've learned is that necessity is, the, is, is without doubt the mother of invention and, and people are resilient and people will surprise you with what we're what what they're capable of doing, and uh, no challenge is too big, uh, that's for sure. Um, so one of one of the uh, key challenges and learnings for me through all of this is it just reinforces something I've believed for a long time, which is that if you surround yourself with with good people and and do everything you can to help and guide and and support them and most importantly give them the freedom to truly express the full extent of their talent uh, just amazing things can happen and yeah i've often reflected on this is that you know when you when you hire really smart and really bright and really capable people um they're going to they're going to bring your your business and your team to places that you would not have been able to to get by yourself and that absolutely I'm living through that right now and it's a joy to see even if the consequence is that I'm essentially making myself redundant uh, but I do think that that's important to have the confidence um, that uh, to do that knowing that there is going to be another opportunity that will lie in wait. And I think uh, that all uh, leaders should should adopt um, that kind of uh, philosophy because I think uh, it's only then are you going to truly get the best out of the people that you work with. Um, I've also discovered that certain changes that we have made um, will endure and will endure long past um, uh, the pandemic. As I've said already, the Idea Center is a really good example of that. Um, uh, another interesting one that we've uh, that that we've come to realize, especially over the last number of weeks, with the um, back to work uh, model that we've built for for the business as as we move forward, which is around certain uh, people working uh, in office, a small percentage of people working in office, and then uh, some people working completely remotely, and and others having more of a hybrid like flex model, whereby they're working sometime in the office and sometime away. I think. That has been a really uh, positive um, 
initiative because it one of the things we're learning is that wow you can you can be just as productive working remotely uh, in many jobs um, if not even more productive so uh, why why don't we just make this uh, a more enduring thing and something that lasts a bit longer so that's that's really good news for us in next generation markets because it opens up the possibilities that perhaps you could start to uh, operate within many more markets than we are currently operating within now, because you may not necessarily have to consider uh, office infrastructure as part of that decision-making process. I think these are the kinds of ideas now that we should be open to, because if it enables us to tap into a, a pool of talent that previously we would not have been able to access, well, that's got to be a good, good, a good thing for the business, right? So... Um, I think um, other things um, that that I, I think I've learned is that, yeah, I, I think we we do. I think it's understanding that what we are doing as a business is solving some fundamental um, challenges for job seekers and for employers uh, everywhere, and even though there are nuances and and differences between. Um, how uh, certain markets behave and and job seekers, how they operate in job markets, uh, job market dynamics in certain jurisdictions. Again, it's that point that it's that simple need unifies all of those markets. And I think there's a real opportunity for us to uh, to to be that global company we aspire to being, which is. Is there any country where we we should not operate within? I, I I think the answer to that is no. I I think that I see a very clear future for indeed uh, for us to be able to operate in pretty much every location where there's a need for matching uh, job seekers with jobs. And I would like to us to do that as effectively and efficiently and as quickly as possible over the next number of years. I know there's going to be so many challenges along the way, but. Uh, I think it's so clear to me that that's that's our destiny as a business. That's fantastic. So, uh, I guess looking to the future, what what do you think today that the future holds for Indeed and and for the next generation team? Yeah, I, I, I just to extend on some of the things I said there, I I, I think uh, the future is now. It's it's just caught up with us. Uh, the future is not just this abstract thing into in, into the future. It's it is now. Uh, so many things have accelerated. Uh, we've seen our own uh, core product development uh, develop at an astounding rate, um, and it has accelerated our um, our path towards getting closer to the hire for uh, for the businesses with which we work. I think Indeed is ready. Um, I think, like I said, I think we could be, we can become the number one source of hire in all the markets where we operate. Um, just to bring it back to something I talked about earlier on, I think in order for us to do that, we're already quite a big business now globally um, but in order for us to continue along that path and evolution we need to continue to be that gazelle that we were you know six years ago when I joined uh, we need to be agile we need to be nimble we need to be quick um, uh, we, we should not ever lose sight of that um, uh, that that real sense of urgency to fix things that sense of urgency to make things better that sense of urgency to to go out there and and do everything we can to connect more with job seekers to connect more with clients so i think retaining that those gazelle like instincts are going to be so important to us um 
I think it's important for us to continue to innovate like we have been innovating in many of these markets, whilst at the same time learning from the very clear success um, that we have experienced in markets like the US and, and in the UK and many others. Um, so again, it's, it's, it's back to that tension piece. It's striking that balance between uh, innovation, but also going with a, a tried and tested model. And, and as you've talked about many times, solving some of those big fundamental uh, uh, challenges that job seekers and employers face. Um, but I think ultimately we can do all of this um, uh, in a much leaner way. Um, I think we can do it in more positive ways that benefit the environment. So for instance, doing far less travel, uh, potentially leveraging virtual tools, um, you know, not, not hopping in a car every day to travel to the office. There's going to be obvious benefits for that. And hopefully it'll reduce the, the pressure that we're seeing in, in, in rental markets and in house markets in all of the cities where we operate. So I think we, we can do it in a very lean, lean and, and, and effective and efficient way. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. So to, so to wrap up, um, that, that is a really, uh, I think, you know, beautiful vision to, to, to think about all that um, new perspective that going through something like this, you know, collectively and globally that we have has, has given us. If you think about the, the experience of the last eight months, um, what are some of the things that, that give you optimism for the future? So, so the, that, the thing that makes me most optimistic about, about Indeed in the future, I think, is just that, that innovation piece and that, that, that speed at which our, all of the teams that operate within uh, Indeed uh, manage to uh, adjust our approach and and very quickly get products out there that had been in incubation incubation mode and all of a sudden get them out to um, to our clients and partners to be able to use uh, particularly in the virtual world where we exist right now. So our ability to be able to do that and to do that well and to do that so quickly just fills me with a sense of optimism that wow what else are we going to do now over the next two to three years that we previously envisaged might have been five to 10 years. It has contracted the time horizon for lots of the decisions, I think, that we had been planning to make. To make. And again, uh, I'm an optimist. I, I, I firmly believe in our uh, potential to accelerate in all of these additional markets where we have not been particularly focused on uh, historically, but clearly are now. And I think there's a real opportunity to accelerate there. Um, so that's the piece on the Indeed side of things that, that gives me a real sense of optimism for the future. I, I think I mentioned at the start of the, our conversation, Chris, about, about the challenges um, of, of enduring during, during this uh, challenging time. Um, but we're also seeing things that gives us cause for, for optimism and, and hope for the future. Um, I, I've been working from home now since February of this year. Uh, that would have been inconceivable to me uh, before. Um, I used to do a lot of travel and would have spent a lot of time in the office and meeting uh, partners and clients and team members. And, and, and I loved it. That was the story of my career for the last 20 years. And that, that's who I am. And that's what I've been. Um, but actually, the last eight months, it's been completely different, right? I, it's, 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 that's on its head now. And there are some really positive consequences there. 
I have three young kids and I get to see them grow up. I get to spend more time with my family. I get to spend more time in my neighborhood and, uh, and I, get, I, I get more time to, to think about um, ways of connecting with, yeah, with my family. And, and, and obviously we're confined and restricted and, and how much we can do outside of the household, in particular now in recent days here and I'm sure in many other markets around the world. But, um, but it also teaches you uh, uh, about what's important in life. And it's back to those three big pillars, right? It's, the, it's, the, it's your relationships, it's your health, and it's your work. And it forces you to think much more clearly about protecting uh, those three uh, pillars. So that gives me a sense of optimism for the future. I think something else I do want to mention, uh, which I know is uh, a topic that's dear to your heart, is... You know, one of our core values that indeed is, is around um, diversity and inclusion and, and belonging. And over the last uh, eight months or so, we've seen uh, themes of, 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 of uh, race and, and uh, gender and sexuality uh, come to the fore in, in many ways, many disturbing and um, upsetting ways. Um, I think what we've seen is we've seen a convulsion happening um, in the US, not just in the US, outside the US, the US globally. Um, and it has led to some very uncomfortable situations for many people. Um, but this is good and, and this, is, this is real progress and, and this is a positive thing uh, because change, uh, change is necessary. Um, I think uh, when I think of my own uh, personal evolution. Um, I have uh, three daughters. Uh, one, one is black and, and two are white. Um, so it, it really brings it home to me that, that, that there's more that I can do, um, not just to protect, but more to prepare my daughters for the future and, and to ensure that I'm educating myself and that I'm helping to educate them. And I think that the, this convulsion that we've gone through over the last number of months has been has been a really positive thing for me personally uh, because it has forced me to to challenge some some uh, conventions that I might have lived uh, with previously in my life. You know, yeah, these utopian ideals that things like skin color doesn't matter and we are all equal, which of course are factually correct in some ways, but they completely miss the point. And if and and I think that there's an opportunity for for us to really uh, step up and become more aware and sensitive to these topics, to listen more to people who are experiencing firsthand this level of systemic prejudice. And, and, and it's an opportunity for us to learn and, and to get better at this. And I, for one, I'm going to get better at this every day, but I know it's a long journey and it's, it takes time and it takes effort. And I just hope that I'm, I'm doing enough, uh, but I know that I can always get better. But the important thing is, is working with an organization that clearly has taken this um, into its heart and, and lives this every day. And I think it's, it's, it's something that's inspirational to me and it, it, it shows me a clear path for how I can get better at this. So I'm, I'm appreciative of that. Well, Connor, thank you so much for, for sharing that with all of us today. And uh, thank you so much for everything you do for Indeed and for people all over the world uh, helping everyone get jobs. Well, thank you, Chris, for giving me the opportunity to speak to you today. I really do appreciate it.